Chapter Six of Indian Child Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Indian Child Life by Charles Eastman. The Boy Hunter. There was almost as much difference between the Indian boys who were brought up on the open prairies and those of the woods as between city and country boys. The hunting of the prairie boys was limited, and their knowledge of natural history imperfect. They were, as a rule, good riders, but an all-around physical development much inferior to the red men of the forest. Our hunting varied with the season of the year and the nature of the country which was for the time our home our chief weapon was the bow and arrows and perhaps if we were lucky a knife was possessed by someone in the crowd in the olden times knives and hatchets were made from bone and sharp stones for fire we used a flint with a spongy piece of dry wood and a stone to strike with Another way of starting fire was for several of the boys to sit down in a circle and rub two pieces of dry spongy wood together one after another until the wood took fire. We hunted in company a great deal, though it was a common thing for a boy to set out for the woods quite alone, and he usually enjoyed himself fully as much. Our game consisted mainly of small birds, rabbits, squirrels, and grouse. Fishing, too, occupied much of our time. We hardly ever passed a creek or a pond without searching for some signs of fish. When fish were present, we always managed to get some. Fish lines were made of wild hemp, sinew, or horsehair. We either caught fish with lines, snared or speared them, or shot them with bow and arrows. In the fall, we charmed them up to the surface by gently tickling them with a stick and quickly threw them out we have sometimes dammed the brooks and driven the larger fish into a willow basket made for that purpose it was part of our hunting to find new and strange things in the woods we examined the slightest sign of life and if a bird had scratched the leaves off the ground or a bear dragged up a root for his morning meal we stopped to speculate on the time it was done if we saw a large old tree with some scratches on its bark, we concluded that a bear or some raccoons must be living there. In that case, we didn't go any nearer than was necessary, but later reported the incident at home. An old deer track would at once bring on a warm discussion as to whether it was the track of a buck or a doe. Generally at noon we met and compared our game, noting at the same time the peculiar characteristics of everything we had killed it was not merely a hunt for we combined with it the study of animal life we also kept a strict account of our game and thus learned who were the best shots among the boys i'm sorry to say that we were merciless towards the birds we often took their eggs and their young ones my brother chatana and i once had a disagreeable adventure while bird hunting we were accustomed to catch in our hands young ducks and geese during the summer and while doing this 
we happened to find a crane's nest. Of course, we were delighted with our good luck, but as it was already midsummer, the young cranes, two in number, were rather large, and they were a little ways from the nest. We also observed that the two old cranes were in a swampy place nearby, but as it was molting time, we didn't suppose that they would venture on dry land. So we proceeded to chase the young birds, but they were fleet runners, and it took us some time to come up with them. Meanwhile, the parent birds had heard the cries of their little ones and come to their rescue. They were chasing us while we followed the birds. It was really a perilous encounter. Our strong bows finally gained the victory in a hand-to-hand -hand struggle with the angry cranes, but after that we hardly ever hunted a crane's nest. Almost all birds make some resistance when their eggs or young are taken, but they will seldom attack a man fearlessly. We used to climb large trees for birds of all kinds, but we never undertook to get young owls unless they were on the ground. The hooting owl especially is a dangerous bird to attack under these circumstances. I was once trying to catch a yellow-winged woodpecker in its nest, when my arm became twisted and lodged in a deep hole so that I couldn't get it out without the aid of a knife. But we were a long way from home, and my only companion was a deaf-mute cousin of mine. I was about fifty feet up in the tree, in a very uncomfortable position, but I had to wait there for more than an hour before he brought me the knife with which I finally released myself. Our devices for trapping small animals were rude, but they were often successful. For instance, we used to gather up a peck or so of large, sharp-pointed burrs and scatter them in the rabbit's furrow-like path. In the morning we would find the little fellow sitting quietly in his tracks, unable to move, for the burrs stuck to his feet. Another way of snaring rabbits and grouse was the following. We made nooses of twisted horsehair, which we tied very firmly to the top of a limber young tree, then bent the latter down to the track and fastened the hole with a slipknot after adjusting the noose. When the rabbit runs his head through the noose, he pulls the slipknot and is quickly carried up by the spring of the young tree. This is a good plan, for the rabbit is out of harm's way as he swings high in the air. Perhaps the most enjoyable of all was the chipmunk hunt. We killed these animals at any time of the year, but the special time to hunt them was in March, after the first thaw. The chipmunks burrow a hole through the snow crust and make their first appearance for the season. Sometimes as many as fifty will come together and hold a special reunion. These gatherings occur early in the morning, from daybreak to about nine o'clock. We boys learned this, among other secrets of nature, and got our blunt-headed arrows together in good season for the chipmunk expedition. We generally went in groups of six to a dozen or fifteen, to see which would get the most. On the evening before, we selected several boys who could imitate the chipmunk's call with wild oat straws, and each of these provided himself with a supply of straws. The crust will hold the boys nicely at this time of the year. Bright and early, they all come together at the appointed place, from which each group starts out in a different direction, agreeing to meet somewhere at a given position of the sun. 
my first experience of this kind is still well remembered it was a fine crisp march morning and the sun had not yet shown itself among the distant treetops as we hurried along through the ghostly wood presently we arrived at a place where there were many signs of the animals then each of us selected a tree and took up his position behind it the chipmunk caller sat upon a log as motionless as he could and began to call soon we heard the patter of little feet on the hard snow then we saw the chipmunks approaching from all directions some stopped and ran experimentally up a tree or a log as if uncertain of the exact direction of the call others chased one another about in a few minutes the chipmunk caller was besieged with them some ran all over his person others under him and still others ran up the tree against which he was sitting each boy remained immovable until their leader gave the signal then a great shout arose and the chipmunks in their flight all ran up the different trees now the shooting match began the little creatures seemed to realize their hopeless position they would try again and again to come down the trees and flee away from the deadly aim of the youthful hunters but they were shot down very fast and whenever several of them rushed toward the ground the little redskin hugged the tree and yelled frantically to scare them up again each boy shoots always against the trunk of the tree so that the arrow may bound back to him every time otherwise when he had shot away all of them he would be helpless and another who had cleared his own tree would come and take away his game so there was warm competition sometimes a desperate chipmunk would jump from the top of the tree in order to escape which was considered a joke on the boy who lost it and a triumph for the brave little animal at last all were killed or gone and then we went on to another place keeping up the sport until the sun came out and the chipmunks refused to answer the call end of the boy hunter